From Relay FM, this is Virtual, episode number 41. It is E3 week, and this week's episode, well, this episode, there's two this week. This episode is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, Squarespace, Build It Beautiful, and Harry's, an exceptional shave at a fraction of the price. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only Mr. Federico Batigi. Video games are for people that have a strong heart, and sometimes I don't. Uh, hey, Mike. It's been a crazy couple of days. It's like, what is it, Tuesday today? I don't know. It feels like Friday, but I think it's Tuesday. You know, tomorrow is Wednesday. So, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, the beginning of the week. And video games, man, they're crazy. Too many video games, too, too. I mean, crazy stuff going on at the E3. You know, Final Fantasy VII, The Last Guardian, and it's too much, you know? Yep. I and... feel like I need to lay down and just cry uh, because video games. So the last 24 hours have been pretty wild. Um, as is usual at E3, though, we had Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo all uh, unveil their wares for the year. Now, there's so much going on this week because, you know, they're just the three, the main three. And then there's all the, the vendors have their oh, own yeah. events as well, which I've not been keeping up with as well. And there's a reason for I that. I kind of did, yeah. Today, we're going to talk about Microsoft and Sony. Um, and then we're doing another episode on Friday where we're going to talk about Nintendo, shout about Nintendo, and then maybe talk about some other stuff as well. So, like, you know, maybe what stuff like EA or whatever they're doing. Um, although I'd be very surprised if we if we can get to anything else rather than being upset about Nintendo. But we can save that for another day. <laughs> because today we have t- two big players, Microsoft and Sony. They both had their um, events yesterday on Monday. And there is a ton of stuff. Now, we've both kind of watch the events and I know you have notes and I have notes and I guess we should maybe start going through some of those. What do you think? Yeah, sure. So you watched the Microsoft uh, conference live. I yep. watched some recaps and uh, watch a bunch of trailers and, and uh, summaries from video game blogs. So you watched the event live. Can yep. you tell me like your general thoughts on the conference itself? So my, my, my thoughts on Microsoft uh, let me give an overall feeling of Microsoft and Sony, if if I may, because I, I sure. think it's, for me anyway, for, with the way that I feel, it's, it's important to, to, to put them together. Um, Microsoft had a strong offering. Um, they had a good show, they had a bunch of good games, and they did a bunch of stuff to try and appeal to gamers again. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, and my, some of Microsoft's announcements were so surprising, people were like, well, they're going to walk away with it. Yeah, you know, this is my this is Microsoft's year, but then Sony come out and they do like for basically for all of the fan service for all of the gamer kind of for trying to get the gamers on on board that Microsoft did. Sony went above and beyond and, and basically brought like three games that gamers have been clamoring for, as well as a bunch of new stuff as well. But my overall feeling about the games that were shown from Microsoft and Sony is Microsoft has a lot of games with guns in them. And Sony has more of a variety. What Microsoft were putting on stage, I was getting annoyed and bored. Like, the first maybe 45 minutes of their presentation, it felt like it was just guns. Just guns and killing. And Sony has a way more varied um, offering. Like, I don't think, once we go through it, we can confirm if I'm correct, but I genuinely believe that the first game that Microsoft showed that didn't have a gun in it was like when they got to the rare stuff. Well, there were actually a couple of uh, so, some interesting indie announcements. Oh, but they came um, later. Like, so basically, okay. like, there's something like the first kind of like 45 minutes of this presentation was just, just murder. Like, and mm-hmm. then once it got into indie, it kind mm-hmm. of calmed down a little bit. But Sony, it's definitely not that way. I, I, I felt anyway. It felt like there was way more variation. And even if they had the same amount of games with guns in them, they structured their presentation differently to try and, you know, so you didn't get fatigue from that. So, like, Microsoft started off with uh, with Halo. Right? Should I jump into, should we jump into talking about Microsoft? I just want to make a quick point and then yeah, we, maybe we can elaborate. Yeah. Uh, my, like, my initial thoughts and... So we'll see during our discussion if this is the case. Is that Microsoft got people excited with uh, backtracking on previous decisions and making stuff for the very geeky gamer community. And Sony, on the other hand, kind of played it safe with um, fan service, you know, with uh, remakes and long-awaited games that people were rumoring for years. And 
you know, they just focused on games and sequels, Uncharted 4 and all the other crazy announcements. And I feel like they both wanted to kind of highlight how they're focusing on the gamer community, just in two different ways. And this is interesting. So uh, let, let's discuss this, the Microsoft event. So they started, you, you told me, with Halo. Yeah, um, so they started off with Halo, which seems like the right thing to do. Yeah. Halo doesn't interest me. It never has. Um, I've played a couple of Halo games, and I find the campaign boring. It doesn't really fit, the, the games that I've played doesn't really feel like you're doing anything for a reason. This one looks interesting, right? So there's, like, warring factions and... Um, like Master Chief on one side and then some the new character on the other side and they've got a ton of online stuff and it looked pretty I just know that I won't I won't be buying it like it's just not a game for me um, do you feel like maybe you've played too many first-person oh, shooters? definitely. That's why I'm so annoyed <laughs> about it like you know that, that, that every game's just got guns in it because it's like I need I need more variation now um, because so many of these first-person shooter games, or even third-person shooter games, they don't have anything about them which makes them different to anything else. It's just like, this is it. This is what we just keep churning out these games over and over again, or let some aliens kill the aliens with a laser gun. Mm-hmm. I, I I just need more than that now, I feel like. Maybe it's just I've matured as a gamer a little bit, and I'm looking for maybe more experiential games, or just things that have interesting and new mechanics that mean that I'm not constantly just playing these shoot 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 war games all the time and it, it, there was just a moment like it was i think it was what game was it let me flick through i think i have it in my like i just wrote it down in my you're notes. browsing actual notes on paper yeah look. so fancy i think it was actually during fallout because there were games in between like halo and fallout and i just couldn't be able to write anymore and it's just like i just don't want to keep watching murder all the time it's just not not my thing so, you know, it went from Halo, and then they showed some other games and stuff. But the, then, and then one, I think it was Phil Spencer came out on the stage and said the very uh, bold line: "This is the greatest game lineup in Xbox history." Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like a lot of this stuff is crafted around the fact that Microsoft are behind, um, and they are trying to claw back a little bit. And one of the reasons that people are saying that Microsoft is behind or that the Xbox isn't selling so well is because the games aren't as good as they are on the PlayStation. Um, and this is coming from the fact that, like, even PlayStation have had a really bad start to the PS4. Like, yeah. there just hasn't been a lot of compelling stuff. Everything just keeps getting delayed. But even then, they still have what seems to be some better titles than than Microsoft and or there just isn't enough reason to buy a Microsoft over a PlayStation. And let's just remind people, you own both a PS4 and an Xbox One. Yeah, so and, I, like and your... I, I buy new games. I buy uh, cross-platform games for the PlayStation now. Cause it's just it just feels like a better games console than the than the Xbox does, and the, the big announcement. So then go, they go into the the big big announcement is backwards compatibility with the Xbox 360. Okay. Um, so this 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 is kind of their big. This is Xbox. This is Microsoft's like crowning jewel of their entire presentation because yeah. they do something that they should have done initially. And if you remember E3 two years ago, mm-hmm. the, the Xbox One had backwards compatibility, but it it was all done with this like always connected to the internet thing that they were trying to do, um, which people went crazy about. So they ended up like kind of clawing it back. And one of the things that happened when they said they clawed it back was that they couldn't have backwards compatibility anymore. And it's probably because the reason they were going to do the backwards compatibility is like what they're doing now. And they've now just found a way to do disk authentication. But pre- like basically what it's going to be is you can't play your 360 game on the Xbox One, right? You can't just take a disc and put it in and it will work. That's impossible. But what they're doing is you can put your disc in an Xbox One. It will authenticate with Xbox Live and you can download a digital copy of the game. Okay, yeah. That's, that's how it's working. Sounds like a... Simple enough implementation. Yeah, which uh, is similar to what they were going to do. Remember when they said you could do all the game borrowing and all that sort of stuff? This yeah. was what they were going to be doing, but it needed an always-on internet connection. Now, they've said that there's going to be 100 games by the holiday, um, and so it's not going to be everything. There is a selection. And it, again, it's not going to be ready until until the kind of towards the end of the year. And all 
basically it seems like it seems like Microsoft is doing the heavy lifting because they said on stage all developers have to do is approve their game. Yeah. And it seems like Microsoft is handling the recompiling. And there was a few things, like there were a few game developers that were now giving away um old versions of their game, like they did the one of the Tom Clancy games. You know, another one where it's like like really just more violence and shooting and killing. Um <laughs> Uh, that that game basically, if you buy the new Rainbow Six, you get the two previous Rainbow Sixes for free. Hmm. I I just find it interesting how much of Microsoft's initial initial vision for the Xbox One has been compromised uh, following the, the backlash from people from you know Xbox customers who didn't buy Microsoft's idea for, you know, uh, always on connectivity and we want to focus on all these media features. We want to turn Xbox from a video game console into a real like media center that you, you know, that you keep alongside your television and we want to get into TV programming and all this kind of stuff. And now they're slowly backtracking, which is not new to the industry, you know. It, it is, it, it's not new in gaming, it's not new in tech. Uh, companies backtrack on previous decisions all the time. The problem is the cost of backtracking uh, because, you know, every feature has a development cost and the cost is in time and in, in people working on a feature. So can you imagine the work that went into deciding not to offer cloud connectivity always on anymore? remove backwards compatibility so you have people working on a first implementation and then you announce that and then you say no it's not gonna come out so you got these people removing the feature and then two years later you announce that yes you're bringing back the feature and so instead of working on you know making games or really shipping new functionalities you're working on constantly adjusting the expectations from people based on what they want to see and it feels to me like it, it, it doesn't feel to me like a clear idea for the console because you're just, uh, you know, giving people what they want, which in theory, it's a good thing because of course you want to give your customers what they want. And of course you want to listen to feedback and, and you know, and the, the, the wishes of your, of your own install base. But it also feels like Microsoft doesn't have a clear goal and they wanted to make this big change with the Xbox line two years ago and now they're slowly but you know every year they're changing something and they're going back to the Xbox 360 model and it makes me wonder whether this is just Microsoft's problem because as a company they're not they're not able to iterate on a on a clear simple vision whether it's new or not or if maybe it's it's a symptom of a bigger industry problem that gamers just want a game console. And that's why Sony is doing it. That's why Nintendo is struggling with, you know, anything else that they're doing and even the console. And that's why Microsoft is slowly going back to just making games and let, letting you play old games. And, you know, it, it's it's especially interesting when you consider how Sony has been able to kind of uh, make a quick buck out of remasters and remakes from old PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3 era games uh, by avoiding avoiding you know backward comp- compatibility with all games and now Microsoft could have done the same and to an extent they kind of did the same but now they're making an, an easier and better way for people to reuse old games it's it just you know it's confusing as as someone who observes the company the past two years of the Xbox one have been kind of confusing well yeah because if you think about it how long they were planning the Xbox one and then they had a very short space of time to change it so that is that that will make a company lose their way yeah um because they are trying they are scrambling to fix something that people are upset about i mean and you'd make the argument and i think it's a fair argument that you're not tuned into your customers well enough if you make a mistake like that if you do something that is universally hated you are not in the first place tuned in to your customer base as well and if you believe you are and you believe it's really the right thing to do then you need to stand by your decision and I mean, Microsoft is there. The reason I say this it's because Microsoft, in many other of its divisions, they have shown that they are unable to believe in a, in a new vision for whether it's Xbox or uh, Windows. 
they are unable to say, okay, we believe this is new, this is different, and we're going to work on this. They kind of get there. So they announced the Xbox One media-focused approach, they announced Metro for Windows 7, and then people go crazy and they are unable to say, no, we believe this is right and we're going to work on this. And instead, they start to backtrack all the way to what it used to be. And this is the case with the Xbox, this is the case with Windows 10 and the design language, it has even been the case with the start button on, on the Windows taskbar. So it, it's, a, it's a Microsoft problem. At, at the core, they seem unable to say, we believe this is right, we're gonna do this, and, you know, the future will, will tell whether we're right or not. They're just constantly scrambling to adapt to people's backlash. And that's kind of sad, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. We should get talking about the games, though. Um, yes. But before we do that, let me take our first break today uh, to thank our friends over at Igloo for helping us out. With Igloo, you don't need to be stuck at your desk to do your work. They give you an internet you're actually going to like, not one that you're going to look at and think, why is this so horrible to see? I don't want to have to look at this anymore. They don't do this kind of stuff. Igloo give you an internet that looks fantastic and works fantastic. It's surprisingly configurable. You can completely rebrand it. You can throw your logos in, your company colors. You can change all the fonts and you can move stuff around. They have loads of widgets, um, like you can have like social widgets and blog widgets and all that kind of stuff. You can move them around and, and make it look exactly as you want each kind of group space to be. Um, you can give different people different access to different parts of your intranet and you can also create each team's area to look exactly the way that they need and have all the functionality that they need. With Igloo you can manage your task list from your laptop during a sales meeting. You can share status updates from your phone as you're leaving a client's office and you can access the latest version of a file from home whenever you want. These days everything is mobile. Your work should be too. But with this mobile life that we have, what we end up seeing is a bunch of people using loads of different cloud services to store their stuff and everything gets lost and nobody knows where it is and Bob's got something on Dropbox and Mary's got something on Google Drive and nobody's got their stuff where it needs to be and everyone's scrambling for the most recent version of a document. But Igloo has two great ways that it can help you with this. They have their own document preview engine. You can uh, can upload your stuff in there. It's HTML5. Everyone can work on the same document and add comments and stuff like that to it. But then they also now, they integrate great with services like Box and Google Drive and Dropbox to put them all into one big easy to secure platform. This keeps everything where it needs to be and keeps everything super secure and super locked down in the ways that you will need to do your business safely and securely. It's time to break away from an internet that you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now and you can try it out for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you want. So if you have a team of up to 10 people, you can not got any more than that. You can try out Igloo, you can use Igloo, and it's going to be free. So sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash virtual. Thank you so much to Igloo for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. So speaking of um, trying to make uh, the gamer community happy, have you seen this crazy elite controller? Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, this is madness, bucks. this thing. It's crazy. Yeah, this, 150. This is not for, it's not for me and you, definitely. No. I mean, this, this, this is, is for, a lot of stuff. This is for people that play Call of Duty all the time. Uh, this, is a, this is for pro-level kind yep. of gamers. You know, it's you can... So Microsoft has this new uh, Elite Wireless Xbox controller, and it's got tons of options. Like, it's got a slightly... Uh, different design because it's got a custom D-pad with a, a lot more precision and directions. The analog sticks have more precisions, they can be swapped and there's a bunch of new triggers and buttons in, in the back of the controller and so this is kind of, you know, you can yep. have remappable buttons and yep. you, you can customize everything here. There is, is like yeah, you're, there are like switches that you can flick, like you can have hair trigger locks which is like, to, you know, so it's like easier and quicker to, to press the buttons. As you say, you can remap them. And also there's going to be replaceable parts. You get, um, so with it, you get a set of set of six thumbsticks, two standard, two tall, and two domed, two D-pads, faceted and standard, um, a carrying case that it all comes in. Of course, because you uh, want to take the controller around. This thing is crazy pants, which is why it costs $150, right? Because this is not, for me and you have no use. We would not be able to use this controller, like to its 
like, to its to its limit. Like, if you gave me this controller, I would use it just like a regular controller. Like, I don't know what to do with those triggers on the back. But they're, like, for people that are, like, because you can imagine, right, that if your fingers are always there because you hold it. So instead of having to, like, reach your thumb around to the front, it's, like, way easier for people to just hit triggers that are on the back. So it's really smart because this is what companies like Mad Cats and stuff make. And now Microsoft are like, no, we can make the best one. Yeah, and there's people who spend a lot of money um, on, on PC to, to buy this kind of equipment, to buy uh, to play mobile games, uh, shooters, driving games, um, fighting uh, games, of course, because of the D-pad and to, you know, when you need to make precise combos. Uh, so this is like pro-level gaming happening on, on Xbox One, at least in Microsoft's mind. Yep. And do you think this is a... This is the right move to to do it's, right now. Right, my feeling again, this is game of goodwill, because what they're because one hundred and fifty dollars tells me that they are not selling this to make a profit. They are selling it at a decent profit margin, right? Because they're charging it for one hundred and fifty bucks. But it shows me that they are not serious about this being the controller for everybody. So because mm-hmm. of that, it's just like they are doing this again to show to gamers that they're the place to be. To prove a point, basically. Prove a point. And I think that this stuff is being balanced against the fact that they're not the Call of Duty platform anymore. So this is something that we're not going to... I wasn't going to talk about this anyway, but it's now reminded me of it. Um, the It's Activision, isn't it, that published Call of Duty? Because then they have two mm-hmm. different shooters that make the game. Activision, for the last few years, have had the exclusivity deal for certain maps and stuff with Microsoft. So if you had an Xbox, you got more stuff for Call of Duty and you got it before anybody else. That now lies with Sony. Sony have that relationship now. This is the first time this has happened in many, many years. So like if you're if you're a really serious gamer, Call of Duty is a game that you're really serious about, right? If that is that the type of thing that you're into, because that's where the multiplayer action is. Well now PlayStation have that. So this to me feels like another move from Microsoft to be like, we do care about you because they're trying to balance up the things that they're not doing so well. So I can feel like backwards compatibility is balancing them against the fact that they're not selling as many as Sony, and the pro game controller is to balance them against the fact that they're losing some of the professional gaming features and games that they love. I I also find an interesting contrast between this pro controller for elite gamers, as Microsoft says, and the fact that Street Fighter V will be coming exclusively to PlayStation. Yep. And Street Fighter V is the kind of game that you will see at professional tournaments. You know, this is exactly those it. kinds, those this kinds of is events. Exactly it. Because that is like that's a big one. Because that's not that's even like one. timed exclusive. It's like no, this is where Street Fighter lives now. Like and that is a big be, thing. There's going to be a lot of events with Street Fighter V, mm-hmm. but the controller is on Xbox and Xbox doesn't have the game. So it's kind of doesn't, you know, there's a contrast there. And yeah, I but it's third like... party stuff that can, because I mean, the real serious people are playing with those like sticks and buttons, right? For Street Fighter. I don't think they play with controllers anyway. Probably. Yeah. But I mean, Microsoft did show in the trailer for the, for the elite controller uh, fighting games, you know, the precision of the D-pad and stuff. So it feels like Microsoft believes that just, Where's the games? I don't know. I I, I kind of want to believe that they have some kind of plans for this, like games that take exclusive advantage of this controller uh, in the future. I don't know. Right now, it feels like okay, gamers, here's your pro controller. Be happy, right? Yeah. And I don't know. It feels like there's more. Um. And one of the last um, announcement before we talk about the games that uh, we liked. Uh, there's going to be early access on Xbox, and it's called Game Preview, and you will be able to pay for games before they're done. So it's like early access on Steam. We talked about this before. Mike, what, what are your reactions uh, from, from the event? Um, I think it's a good idea to have that kind of stuff, like the pre-release games. I think it's interesting. Um, one of the games that I mentioned that I recognized was Daisy is going to be as part of this. I think that this is the way that many uh, gaming platforms are going now to have, you know, like Steam Greenlight and that kind of stuff. So I think that it's, as long as it's positioned correctly, I think it's a good move because if a developer wants to do that, then great. I mean, like Nintendo, um, they announced on Monday that they're doing a similar thing with their Nindies at Home, which we'll talk about again on Friday. Um, But like this feels like something that a lot of people are moving towards. And I think 
it's a good way because if you really, if you're, you know, if in your gaming you need to do wide play testing and you need to do betas and stuff, then it's great if the official plat, you know, the platform vendors, the console makers are making that possible for you to do. Yeah, it's a it's a different model. We talked about this before. Uh, you know, Vlambeer being one of the, the examples that come to mind. Um, it's interesting that uh, you know the platform owner is rolling this feature uh, directly into the into the ecosystem without using you know uh, something like Kickstarter, which Sony actually did last night. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, interesting to see Microsoft kind of being like Steam. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So let's talk about games. Mike, yep. can I go over a quick list of indie games that I really, really liked? Yeah, please. So um, I I watched the trailers and, and, and a few uh, conference recaps. I loved the style of uh, Tacoma, I think it is called, uh, from the makers of Gone Home, which is this uh, adventure game that won many awards and that is also available, I think, on the Mac. Uh, so uh, this new game from Fulbright, it's the name of the company, it is set in space in the Tacoma Interstellar something station. And we don't know much. It's an adventure game in first person. What was super intriguing to me was the atmosphere and the fact that you appear to be using sign language um, to communicate, to, to enter passwords into the, into the systems there are, into the station. And it, I love the style, I love the dialogue. It, I, I, I'm into this kind of uh, atmospheric, kind of creepy slash weird indie games. So I'm keeping an eye on this. And the other one is Ashen. This other indie game, we, we, again, another kind of indie game that plays on the atmosphere factor and it almost feels like a Fumito Ueda game you know the the author of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus and it, it, it feels like it's it, it wanna be it wants to be the Eco for Xbox and it's, it's difficult to describe so go check out the trailer also on YouTube this other one is a little crazy. Uh, I, I just love it. It's called Cuphead. Yeah, they <laughs> they a... showed this off the first time last E3. Oh yeah, did this is I... yeah they did. This was demoed in 2014. I didn't remember this game at all. It was just in one of those videos. So it's like his 12 indie games played back to back. Like here's no real information about them. But this mm-hmm. time they had them on stage. It's basically a game in the style of old Walt Disney cartoons. Yes, and yes. it looks. And it just looks just sublime and and i hope that it's not far away now yeah and it's got original jazz recordings for uh, the the music soundtrack and according to people who play the, the the game at e3 it's really fun also and besides you know being great to look at yeah so it's a definitely on, on my radar because i know that eventually i will get an xbox so it's i mean i don't want to lie to myself anymore i just want to have all the consoles uh, this other one, I went a little crazy uh, about this one. It's uh, called Recore, and it's um, a game by Keiji Nafune, uh, really popular, famous uh, Japanese video game designer, and some members of the original Metroid Prime team. So listeners of the show know my affection for <laughs> Metroid Prime, especially the original one. And there was no... Am I, am I right, Mike? There was no gameplay here for Recore, just a bunch of footage. And yeah, it is going was, to be an Xbox One exclusive. I wasn't really very impressed with this because there was kind of nothing. They, they didn't oh, yeah. show anything. Just a video, you know, yeah. uh, female protagonists. And, and we, we don't know much, but to me, you know, Inafune and members of the Metroid Prime team is enough to, to tickle my curiosity. Uh, the, this other one, I, I know that you told me I needed to watch this video. I saw many, many GIFs on Twitter for this. It's Minecraft on the HoloLens. Oh, oh my word, this looks incredible. Like there Microsoft had done some crazy stuff. And like now like knowing what we know now, it was so obvious why they bought them. Yeah. Yeah. Because absolutely Minecraft is the game for HoloLens. Like yeah. it's the game. Like some of the stuff that they're doing, if you haven't seen it, you need to see the video. It's in the show notes this week. It's difficult to describe, right? Because you say so. There's a uh, a person who puts on a, a like these goggles, mm-hmm. and you can project Minecraft, 
anywhere. <laughs> and yeah, there's a couple of different work. ways you can play it, right? So the way that they're playing it is the guy he puts the goggles on and he looks on the wall and then the wall is just like a TV screen, right? So he's just mm-hmm. playing Minecraft and it's protected on the wall. And he's playing with uh, the brand manager. There's a lady with the brand manager um, of, of Mo Yang, she was pronouncing it, which I didn't Mo know Yang. was the case. Um, no, me neither. And so the guy is playing it and they're playing together and they're in the world together. Then he goes over to a table and he has basically on top of this table the world that they're playing in builds. No, he in, says create like AR. world. Yeah, and it just starts to build. And then he can there was one thing like he leaned in towards it and you could see yes. more of it. And like he was moving the world around and he was like looking inside of the caverns so he could tell her where to dig. It was just madness. Like I have never seen anything like this. And it's like, this is the type of stuff that it's like, yeah, I want a HoloLens now. Like, that is crazy pants. It's like it's like a living Lego on your desk. Yeah. Yeah, it just was <laughs> stunning. And like, I believe that this is real. Like, they are showing this. And the these, demo this was is live. Demo. There yeah. was, and they, they even said we have a special camera rig to yeah. capture what it's like to wear a HoloLens. That's so, how they always demo HoloLens is with that camera. Yeah. I mean, and you know, you, de- you don't know, right? Because we don't know what's happening. We don't know how much of it is like scripted to go a certain way. But it I believe. It could be a huge conspiracy, you yeah. know. I, I believe that this is true. This is happening. This yeah. is exactly what this stuff looks like. And I am just. I'm just, oh, I'm blown away by it. I think it just looks incredible. I mean, the thing is, it's probably quite limited to the games you could play, right? Minecraft yeah. is perfect, but I don't know what other games you could play like this, but this one really works. <laughs> kind of different idea for multiplayer also, because there's two people uh, collaborating in Minecraft. One has a, the traditional experience on, on a tablet. The other one is wearing the HoloLens. And Basically... It's probably weird to say, but like when you're wearing the HoloLens, you're kind of like God. Yeah, you are God. You play God, basically. Yeah, because you can see everything and you can like assist the person. It's basically, they should call it like God mode. God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was especially impressive when um, when he, he, he said, Oh, we want to look what's underground. Yeah. And he just kind of made a move with his fingers and yep. like the, the, the ground opened. And he was able to see all the caves mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, all the stuff under under the, the village uh, in Minecraft. And just crazy to have these two different perspectives. And it's, again, it's on your desk or a table or your, you know, on, on the floor, whatever. It's bananas. <laughs> so I just want to list for a couple of other things and then we can move on to Sony. Yes. So, um... Rise of the Tomb Raider looks really good. Uh, they showed like the opening few minutes of the game, and I was like, I, I was like nervous watch watching. I it. saw it was... people freaking out about ice in this game. Yeah, it looked. Wh- what is it about ice? Eyes or ice? I ice like snow and mountains. Oh, she's climbing up, climbing up the side of a icy mountain. And apparently, it was very real. Yeah, it looked amazing. It really, oh. really did look amazing. Well, that's why. Um, so I, you know, I'm interested in playing that game. Uh, Rare Replay, thirty remastered Rare games for thirty dollars, which is going to be cool. And Rare have a big new IP, which looked like a pirates MMORPG. Yeah, they so didn't really we... give any information. They just showed it being played, but it was bright and colorful. <laughs> yeah, it looked nice. It looked really nice. Very nice. Yeah. New Gears of War. Hmm. And really? yeah, it's a new a Gears remaster? of War game. They're doing a remaster and a new one. Oh, okay. Remaster a new one. So mm-hmm. it's like Gears of War 4? I, do, uh, I don't know what they were calling it. I don't know. I can't remember. And then the last thing is, as well as HoloLens, um, this was announced recently that uh, Xbox controllers are going to ship with the Oculus. And they're also going to be allowing for uh, Xbox games to stream to the Oculus via a Windows PC. So they are experimenting with the HoloLens, with the Oculus. They just want to make sure that they're everywhere. When it That's comes not to all, VR. though. That's not all. They're also saying they're going to be working with Valve on the what? on the Vive. Oh, there you go. So they're they doing it all. Be, yeah. They want to be everywhere. They want to make sure they don't miss out on, on what they believe it's the next big thing in gaming. So, again... See, Microsoft is doing their own stuff, but if it goes wrong, hey, we will be elsewhere, you know? Uh, This is kind of 
a clever move uh, in this case because uh, HoloLens is very much different from all, what other companies are doing. Oculus has a big advantage, you know, a lot of money, a lot of research, a lot of big names working on Oculus stuff. Uh, you know, of course, Microsoft won't be uh, on, on Morpheus. So if that one turns turns out to be the uh, popular VR uh, product, that's going to be a problem uh, if HoloLens doesn't, doesn't pick up. We'll see. So they're going, they're, they're basically covering all bases. So yeah. whatever whatever AR or VR technology wins out, uh, Microsoft are going to try and be there. So I, I want to do this new thing. Overall, what have we learned from the Microsoft keynote? Okay. What's, what's the takeaway? Um, Microsoft are trying to win back the goodwill of gamers. Yeah. Um, and they are taking big bets on the future of gaming, but they are not... Um, they are not putting all of their eggs into their own first-party basket. They're keeping a lot of feet in a lot of shoes. Yeah, we've got <laughs> lots. It's all metaphors. Italy. It's all metaphors. Here. <laughs> yeah, for me overall, it was a very. It appeared to be a solid keynote again, based on the recaps and the trailers that I saw. Uh, solid keynote. Microsoft backtracking, not surprising, still sad, and a lot of gamer-oriented announcements. So they want to make sure that the idea that some people have of the Xbox One kind of goes away. That the mm-hmm. Xbox One it can be like a PlayStation 4 for gamers. And that that, that was... Uh, a lot of people yesterday were like, oh man, how's Sony gonna, you know, counter these announcements from Microsoft? And as we've seen, they kind of managed to. Um, so we, we can get to Sony now. I, I believe Mikey want to wanna tell us about our friends first. Yeah, let's do that. Let's take a break and thank our friends over at Harry's for supporting this week's episode. You know Harry's, they are the people that make it easy for you to shave. You don't have to worry about it feeling uncomfortable. You don't have to worry about nicks, cuts, scrapes and razor burn or it being really expensive. And these things go hand in hand. And the reason you don't have to worry about any of this is because Harry's make high quality, high performing German blades. They're crafted in a great factory, but they also sell them at a great price, right? And the reason you don't have to worry about it causing nicks and cuts and scrapes and razor burn is because you are able to get your blades for cheaper, you're able to change your blades over more often, which is very, very important when you're shaving. Harry's razors, they are a high-quality shave at about half the price of other big brand blades. They shipped for free to your front doorstep. They have a great deal on their starter set. For just $15, you can get yourself a razor, moisturizing shave cream or firming shave gel, and three razor blades. I'm going to tell you in a moment how you can get that for even cheaper than $15. On average, an everyday shaver will save $150 each year on blades when they use Harry's. And also with Harry's, your satisfaction is so important to them they guarantee it that's just something that they care a lot about i love the way that the harry's products feel smell and look i think that they have a great style that i really like they like their graphic design and their branding i like that kind of stuff i think we all do right we like things that kind of look cool maybe they we, we have some kind of connection to them and i think that harry's stuff does a great job of that um their razors feel good in the hand and they look great as well um i love their aftershave moisturizer and i love their uh, foaming shave gel so basically you spray a little, you just spray out a little bit of gel into your hands. You put a bit of water on it, rub it together, and it turns into this big foam, which I love because it just makes me smile every time because it's kind of crazy. You can experience a clean, close, and comfortable shave yourself with Harry's, and I really recommend that you check them out. Go to harrys.com right now, and they will give you $5 off if you use the code VIRTUAL with your first purchase. That's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use the code VIRTUAL at checkout for $5 off your first purchase, and start shaving better today. Thank you so much to Harry's for their support of this show. So we thought what we thought when we had with Microsoft is oh Microsoft have had a great keynote like they are really strong on this they have played to the gamer like they've announced a bunch of exciting stuff but what nobody saw was what Sony had up their sleeve and I think it was good for Microsoft that they went first because they had 24 hours because if they went second or was it even 24 hours like 6 hours or no. something yeah. it was it was no. the same day right That's... they had a few hours where they were at the top of the news stream they were getting their their what they wanted out there getting their message out because if they would have gone after sony like they would have just been buried because sony announced a bunch of crazy things they kick off yeah, with the last, with the last guardian, guardian. <laughs> i mean of all the games 
I mean, I can I kind of want to imagine this scene. You're a top Sony executive, and you check out Twitter, and there's people saying, yeah, Microsoft really killed it with the keynote, and they have solid announcements. So you're sitting in the, in the hotel room with a bunch of other Sony executives, and you're like, you know, whatever, let's just open with The Last Guardian. This is like how I imagine it went down. Yeah. Uh, because it felt to me like this wasn't meant to be the opening game. And it seemed like it was meant to be in the half of the keynote, you know, because there was a moment when, like, for 15 to 20 minutes, it kind of got boring. And it felt to me like The Last Guardian was supposed to be there. Instead, Sony just opened with this game that people have been waiting for. Um, I want to say six years at least. Yeah, the the uh, announcement trailer at E3 was six years ago. So six years ago, and so the last Guardian is real, and it's it's happening next year. Uh, it's coming out. It's official. It's, there's people working on it. It's not just a trailer anymore. J- John Syracuse can can uh, live happily at, at this point, I believe. Um, what do you think of this game? I have only ever really... I haven't played Eco properly. Like okay. I've played a little bit of it, um, and I won't try to correct that. Um, this game was like affecting me emotionally to watch what was happening. They basically did seven minutes of gameplay. It wasn't a trailer. They just showed, I assume, a section of the game, right? It was what it looked like. And somebody was playing through it, or they played through it, and, and they were showing the recording. And... I don't know the name of the animal. I think it begins with a G. It's like a big bird, dog, dragon thing. The dog bird? The yeah. Bird dog? And I guess that's the guardian, right? Maybe? I don't know. But anyway, th- that thing's looking after you and you're working with it. Like, you call it along, like in you know the other games of this series, if you'd call them that, where you're, like, protecting it and, and it's helping you out and stuff. Um, you call it and it will move to a certain place. And there are parts where, like, right at the very end, like, the the character that you play jumps. And, like, earlier in the in the, in the the footage, you jumped at one point and was missing your jump and then the bird dog grabbed you of its mouth and, like, pulled you up. And then right at the end, it jumps again and it goes to grab his mouth and misses and you keep going and it swings its tail around and you grab onto it. And it's like, oh, man, that was good. Like... This looks like it's going to be a, a really, really good game. I thought at one point the demo was kind of boring. Uh, I didn't think it was not the best demo for this kind of game. Could have could have used a little, uh, to, maybe to be a little shorter, to, to have more pace. Uh, but I also don't want to complain too much. Uh, because, you know, it's The Last Guardian. It's coming out after six years. Um, it looked amazing. Uh, the atmosphere, the, 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 the weird you know, flying creature, uh, the kid calling out to this creature, and, uh, like, the the landscape that opens up in front of you, and, of course, it's Fumiro Weira, so, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a synonym of quality, and it's just crazy, you know, that Sony decided to open the keynote with this kind of game, and it kind of set the tone for more announcements uh, during this keynote, so let's just go over the big stuff, and maybe we, we can talk about the other games. So this is a non-particular order uh, of announcements during the keynote. But then Sony starts to talk about Final Fantasy. And first they show this weird uh, World of Final Fantasy game coming out also to, play, to PS Vita besides PlayStation 4. And it's like, it's Final Fantasy for kids, basically. And then they start talking about Final Fantasy 7. And by showing this video, and there's a video in, you know, uh, it's a pre-rendered uh, rendered trailer, and you can tell that it's the, the, the city of Final Fantasy VII. And basically there's a voiceover uh, talking about, you know, reuniting all these characters, and people are freaking out, you know, because a, a remake, an HD remake of Final Fantasy VII has been asked for basically for the past 10 years i was in high school and there was already rumors of final fantasy 7 which came out in 1997 i think and back in the playstation 2 era at least at the tail end of the of the playstation 2 there were already people saying we should have a final fantasy 7 remake 
And then when the PlayStation 3 came out, and when Squaresoft, was it already Square Enix, do you remember, uh, announced the Advent Children uh, movie for based on Final Fantasy VII, a lot of people said they should also have a remake of the, of a, the full game alongside this. And of course, they kind of expanded the universe of Final Fantasy VII over, over the years with uh, besides the movie, uh, Crisis Core, which was this game for the PSP, kind of decent game, an action RPG game. And they did a bunch of other things for, uh, for the game, but never full remake. So rumors have been going around for years and people love, including myself, we, we love Final Fantasy VII because of the story. And I believe because of nostalgia, you know, because it, it was the first full 3D on PlayStation Final Fantasy the characters are, uh, you know, you can, you can, you, you can kind of care about these characters. There's a special moment with one character in the in this game, which I won't spoil to you, Mike, if you've never played this game. Um, but everybody knows basically. Um, so it's a very great game, great story. I think this is great... a meme that I've seen flying around the last few. Yeah, days. don't think about it. Try yeah. to forget about it. Okay. Um, so people care about this, and people freaked out last night. It, it's it. When it was revealed, you know, that, that it's going to be Final Fantasy VII, there was Cloud walking around town and the other characters and the music and the train and the people just went nuts. And this is, disclaimer, director is Tetsuya Nomura, which is well known for delaying games. And according to, to the press release, they've only begun production this year on this game. Yeah, they couldn't so, have gone too far into it or we would have known it was happening already. Yeah, there's a good chance this game is coming out in three years. So, it's happening eventually. Um, the fact that the, that it's official gives me hope that this won't be one of those, yeah, we want to make this, but yeah, maybe not. This is supposed to be happening. They made a big announcement and this was the second time people went crazy last night. Then... This is. Uh, I I needed to to ex- to motivate this to you uh, over iMessage last night. Mm-hmm. So there's this game called Shenmue. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm getting the pronunciation wrong. So it used to be one of the the first two titles, kind of pioneered the modern concept of an adventure game on 3D consoles with the Dreamcast, uh, directed by Yu Suzuki historical, you know, video game designer. And uh, people have been asking for a third version for years, ever since there was a, a port of the original games to the to the Xbox many years ago. People have been... And this one really became a meme, you know, to find uh, hints of a new Shenmue game coming out. Uh, and it's a Half-Life 3 level of internet meme, you know? When people say... of When people refer to impossible things happening and they, they use video games as a metaphor for that, they either use Shenmue 3 or Half-Life 3. So to, to kind of put the level of excitement in perspective... And I believe the best way to understand people's reaction to this announcement is to watch the, uh, the, uh, the uh, YouTube video that I sent you. Uh, it's the Game Trailers crew, I think, uh, recording live during the Sony keynote and the camera recording the, the, the presenters of the show reacting to the Sony keynote. So basically people yelling, uh, you know, jumping out in excitement. Screaming, uh, passing screaming. out. Basically, just saying, oh my god, is this real? This is not happening. And when Sony announced last night that this is real, and there's Yu Suzuki is involved, and that there's a Kickstarter project uh, for this game, and they showed early footage and screenshots, this game crashed Kickstarter last night. It, 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 it just went down. And it started giving a 503, 504 errors, and for 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 several minutes, Kickstarter was down, and I believe because you know people were flocking to, to fund this game, and it's already funded. So it was funded two million dollars overnight. Uh, it's happening eventually. Again, we don't know when. Uh, probably next year. Probably you know, twenty seventeen. Uh, it's very early stages, but Sony wanted to announce this, so 
Why they did they have... do this? Why did Sony have this on their stage and announce this? Like, it's going to be on the PlayStation, but because, why did because, they take time out of their keynote for this? Because having in a single keynote um, The Last Guardian and Final Fantasy VII Remake and Shenmue 3 kind of put Sony as right. the savior of video games. <laughs> because it you know these that are three right. games that's i'm laughing because that is a very very astute point that the, these are three games that in internet culture they they are often referred to as impossible as not ever coming out that's like pipe dreams they're never happening and having those three materialize in one form or another in a playable uh, you know in a real time trailer or, uh, you know, uh, a pre-rendered footage or a Kickstarter project, it kind of puts Sony in the position to say, look, you've wanted these games for years, now we're making them happen. And, you know, that's a, that's a big deal for Sony, that's a big deal for gamers. I, I still can't believe I, I actually watched a video from a Fantasy VII Remake, and I've seen a lot of incredible stuff happen in the past few years in the gaming industry. I mean, Final Fantasy VII Remake, it, it, just mm-hmm. crazy. This is one of the games that taught me English, you know? Even yeah. with its bad translation, I learned my, you know, my first English words and sentences playing this game. So it's a big deal, huge deal. Uh, it's also coming to iOS, by the way, later this year, but it's the original game, not the remake. The remake is coming in, I don't know, pro- possibly in our lifetime, which is a good sign. <laughs> Let me take our final break and we've still got some more stuff that we want to talk about to wrap up our coverage of the uh, first couple of keynotes of E3. This week's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com and if you use the code insertcoin at checkout, you will get yourself 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. When it comes to finding a place for yourself on the internet, there is nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power that you need right into the palm of your hands and take away all of the stuff that you don't want to have to worry about, like hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. And so take away needing to write code and all that kind of crazy stuff that maybe you just don't want to do, or like me, you don't know how to do. Because Squarespace give you all of the tools that you need to make a professionally designed website regardless of your skill level. They have intuitive and easy to use tools, and you can make your website look and feel exactly as you want. All of their templates look fantastic, they feature responsive design, so it makes sure that your site looks great on all sizes of device. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site and to ensure security and stability. They are trusted by millions of people around the world and some of the most respected brands as well. I love Squarespace and I've used them for years on my own projects. Like for example, we use Squarespace's commerce platform and also their blogging tools as well for our Relay blog and our Relay store. Uh, We didn't want to have to build those into the CMS that we had. We knew Squarespace would be able to do a better job of that. So we just let Squarespace handle that part for us. And it's super easy and really great to use. Squarespace have 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin and Portland who are there to help you whenever you need it. You can also uh, adapt Squarespace and with their dev tools as well. If you are the type of person that wants to get in and tinker with what's under the hood, you can do that. And they've added even more functionality recently to the platform to let you take your Squarespace site further than ever before. And don't forget Squarespace's cover page functionality, which allows you to build a great looking single page website. You could, that could be your entire website, or it could even be an intro to a website. And it can look different and have a bunch of other great stuff on top. If you sign up for a year at Squarespace, you'll get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. You can start a free trial right now with no credit card required and build your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code insertcoin to get your 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for helping us out today. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So to wrap up today... Uh, a couple of other things that I thought were were great news. Yeah, Firewatch is going to be coming to the PS4, yes. which is the uh, Panic game. Well, not Panic game. It's Campo Santo, Campo Santo with Panic. That's how they're kind of doing that together. Uh, that's going to be happening, which is just fantastic news. The new screenshots and the video they look amazing, and the dialogue is great. You know that they have the Madman guy doing. Yeah, Harry Crane. Over. Yeah, Harry Crane. Um, it's actually a Harry Crane, in, even in the game. You know, he plays a retired uh, 
Adman <laughs> going into the wilderness of Wyoming. <laughs> it looks no, it so lo- beautiful, this looks game. Beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's got an art style that I've not seen before. I, I think it just looks really fantastic, and I'm very excited about it. Um, it's one that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, what else? Oh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Um, whilst I'm not interested in this game, it was interesting to see Ubisoft also going back on stuff. They have a male and female protagonist oh, yeah. you choose, yeah. and the entire trailer was the female. Yeah, uh, actually, a character. lot of games this year yeah. uh, have you noticed that, right? Women, mm-hmm. and that's great. That's amazing. I, I love think it's this fantastic new, to see. I'm really this pleased new that, that it's diversity case. in games. It's and you know a lot of uh, a lot of women on stage. And I feel like this year, you know, there's been a a lot of both Sony and Microsoft. They they're talking of being more inclusive, and I feel that's great to have strong women characters in video games, and just to have more of them in general. You know, not just to have a bunch of white dudes shooting stuff. That's awesome. So yes, I agree with the with the Sunset's Creed. Media Molecule, the makers of Little Big Planet, are making a game that I don't understand. It's called Dreams. Yeah, that, that was kind of weird. It didn't make any sense to me. And they kind of pitch it that way. It's like, this doesn't make any sense, but trust yes. us. Which I don't know if that's a good selling pitch for a game. Like, trust me, give me $50 and it will all make sense to you. But mm-hmm. it looked very interesting. It looked like you kind of used your controller to like craft people out of what looked like like plasticine, like claymation. And then you could puppeteer them. And you could super I didn't, creepy. I didn't, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. And in the trailer, it were doing all kinds of mad things. It's like, how are you? I don't understand what your game is. So I expect this one is quite a way away. Um, and you can you can remix the dreams of others. I don't even understand Federico, but I don't know. Just let me remix your dreams, Mike. Come on, you can man. remix my dreams whenever you want. Um, talking okay. about female protagonists, uh, Guerrilla Games have a brand new IP called yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, looked fantastic. It looked great. I didn't understand what was going on. If, you know, like it, <laughs> it, it, there was no real concept of why or what was happening. But um, there was a female lead, and it was like post-apocalyptic Earth. Yeah. Uh, and basically, everybody was being attacked by robot dinosaurs. Yeah, and it was awesome. It was it's kind of similar play. to the concept of The Last of Us. Kind of nature is yeah. reclaiming its space in the, uh, you know, society, society. You know, cities with nature taking over. Look yep. beautiful. We don't know why they're shooting uh, robot dinosaurs, but, you know, yep. I'll take it. Whatever. A lot of bow and arrow action Yeah, as well. And then, of course... Our darling, yeah. No Man's Sky. Yeah. Um, so a real we, we live saw, demo. We saw. We didn't get a release date. They, uh, Sean Murray promised we will get a release date soon. But we caught a glimpse of the size and more of what you're supposed to do in the game. So, for me, the biggest jaw-dropping moment was when he started to pull out on the on the map of the game, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, so this is a planet, and this is a solar system. So in each of these lights there's a solar system there's a sun with planets and planet size uh, levels that you can explore and then he started to pull up more more solar systems galaxies and it was basically infinite and then he says yeah and that's the center of the universe and that's where you want to go so this is i mean the more i see about this game the more i can't believe this is real and the more i'm 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 afraid that they're gonna blow it you know this is gonna be i don't know boring or maybe they're shooting too high i don't know but every time they show this on one hand i'm thinking yeah this can be possible on the other hand he talks with such a confidence and and playing the game to him seems so natural you know that they have this procedural universe happening they basically made life with a computer you know and it seems so obvious to him that I cannot believe him, you know? He's, he's a good seller, I think. He's also adorable, Sean Murray of Hello Games, I think, as a person, generally. Seems like the kind of guy I would be friends with. Um, no Man's Sky, it, it, I just, I need this game in my life, you know? You have that sense of you need something in your life, but it's not there yet? Yeah, I mean, this besides game. Final Fantasy VII Remake and No Man's Sky. This is yeah. what I want. I want it so bad. And I know they're going to give me a release date and it's going to be like 2016. <laughs> yeah. Because well, they haven't... Re- if I'm given one yet, how long away is it going to be? You know? Yeah, it's a- I want this game so bad. 
they show that you can collect materials, uh, there's going to be trading, crafting, uh, there's going to be giant robot sentinels uh, guarding planets, uh, preventing you from destroying everything because you something, can also yeah. destroy everything. That was something that I think was new, it seemed new to me anyway, that, yeah. the, that everything is destructible. Yeah. Um, and basically one of the key things that he said that I quite liked is this is a game of choice. You can choose what you want to do. And he's like, I see this this fight between these two warring factions, right, in, in the sky, like in space. He's like, I can choose to fight if I want to, or I can just go to this planet and look around. And he's like, and I can kill these animals if I want to, or I can just, like, I, I don't really know what the information was that he was uploading. I don't know the significance of that. Um, but it seemed like it's, you know, you can, there is at least an element within the control parameters that it has of, of real exploration here. And it's very, very interesting. And, and I really, really, really cannot wait to play this game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Looks amazing. Uh, so to conclude, there's one more game, Uncharted 4. Oh yes, of you course. Know, at the end. The demo failed. The demo failed initially. Yeah. They had to reconnect, I think, the controller. Uh, looks uh, looks really good, I think. The, the the market scene at the beginning, it's really, um, you know, the way that the Nathan Drake walks uh, among people and then a, fr- a fight breaks out and then it starts uh, driving this, this um, 4x4 uh, vehicle. It destroys everything, needs to escape. Looks like Uncharted 4 better. Uh, I think for Uncharted fans will be will be a good game. You know, Naughty Dog, they're they're awesome. So it should be a good game. It looked great. Looked great. The truck chase was pretty good. I think yep. uh, the dialogue, of course, uh, it's like a movie. You know, it's. A, I mean, if you played Uncharted, you know what it's like. It's just better on PlayStation 4. So what have we learned from the Sony keynote, Mike? Um. That Sony are super crazy. Yes, uh, they are. They want to make dreams come true. Literally, they have a game called Dreams. Yep, I think not, not that one. <laughs> I think this is just further reinforcement of Sony's current strategy of for the player. Um, that's that's what this this whole presentation felt like to me. They are doing things to make games better for the people that play their games. So it's, it's it's very similar in the strategy to Microsoft, but it's coming from a different position. Microsoft's change in strategy to focus on the gamer is coming from a place of insecurity and trying to fix yes, their platform. Exactly. Yes. For Sony, this genuinely to me feels like it's a because we can do this strategy. Because we said so. <laughs> yeah, we just this is just what we want to do, so we're doing it. And yeah, it's like the it's like the rich billionaire was like, you know, today I wanna start le- I wanna learn how to parachute myself into places because I yep. can, or I want to go under the you know the ocean and with my submarine because I have the money. And Sony is like, we want to make uh, the Lost Guardian, Final Fantasy VII remake, and Shenmue Three just because you know whatever. That that seemed like the basic motivation to me it wasn't which is much great you know with the vita though was there no zero vita we learned i mean i think one game with the vita and they did one of those like little montage thingamajigs yeah. for it but yeah there wasn't much there which is a shame but you could make the argument that sony played it safe with these announcements i mean besides the last guardian which is a new game but from a very well-known studio uh, Final Fantasy VII and Shenmue are basically fan service, uh, but still, you know, Sony is in the position to say we have new games, new IP like The Last Guardian, like Horizon, and we have sequels, and we are also, you know, we want to do these two, these two big video games that people have been asking for a decade, and we're gonna make them. And, you know, they're coming to PlayStation. That seemed to me like a stronger message. And at least maybe like a more cohesive message than Microsoft. And not because I don't own a, uh, an Xbox One, because I do want to buy an Xbox One. It's just that Sony seemed more confident to me. And, and as you said, it's probably because they, they're, they come from a place of uh, success and, and confidence, for, at least for the past year. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm happy because I feel... 
well, like I have, you know, I feel like I'm making the right choice in what I think is the console for me. Yeah. But I do want to buy an Xbox because there's good games coming to Xbox. So maybe in the next year, I will get an Xbox. I feel like the next year is going to be a lot better for the consoles. Um, yeah, there's more. There's more going on. One quick note. One quick note before we end the show. How stupid is, you know, the people, um, on on Twitter mostly, um, making fun of uh, each, each other's announcements. You know, the PlayStation people, the Xbox people, and kind of going really hard with the, on the offense with, you know, criticizing people who buy a PlayStation, people who buy an Xbox. I mean, whatever. Can we just be happy with our choices nope. instead of having a war? Nope. It's uh, Microsoft and Mac. It's It's just... It's the war in justification of the one that you think that you think is right. That's of all the things it. you could get upset in this world, what makes you think being upset about who, play, who buys a PlayStation or who buys an Xbox makes for a good, you know, makes for a good reason to be upset and to spend your life criticizing others? I just don't get it. I mean, video games are great and they're great on different platforms and we can criticize the companies for their business choices or for their motivations. But we as consumers, as players, uh, we should be happy. We should be curious too. I've never got the console war as a concept. It, it doesn't make any sense to me to have a faction of people against a, another group of people. Just stupid to me. It's fun, maybe. It's like sports, possibly. But it looks really nasty sometimes to me, which I don't like. I like when people, you know, when people like each other not when people hate each other I understand. and this is also true in video games <laughs> mm, yeah it's okay federico video games man they're crazy i know who even thought it huh yeah <laughs> oh man and friday we can talk about nintendo Woo-hoo. michael yeah it's gonna be a good show yep yep so so that's it for this week's episode well i keep saying this week that's it for this episode, for episode mm-hmm. 41, about PlayStation and Microsoft. And uh, we'll be back again on Friday to talk Nintendo and the rest of the news from the week. If you want to find our show notes for this episode, go to relay.fm slash virtual slash 41. If you would like to follow along with us, you can do that. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find our sponsors as well, and you should go support them for helping out today. And that is our good friends over at Harry's Igloo and Squarespace. And until later on this week, enjoy the rest of E3. Say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.